started here this morning on, with some announcements. Um, okay, announcements. We've got about four or five here. Um, Pastor Dave did a great job of getting everything ready for me. I just got to figure out where I am. Uh, but uh, uh, we're going to... Uh, First of all, announce the neighborhood party, which is, as most of you would know already, August 23rd, and we need lots of help with that. And where is Rachel and Matt? Do you want to say something today? Okay. You're okay. It's all good. People are telling you they will help you, and you can always... More people could be utilized, so if you haven't said yes yet, please say yes today, all right? Uh, And talk to Matt and Rachel, and they'll be ready to help you get plugged into the whole thing. Garden update. Uh, Jack, Jeannie, somebody tell me something about the garden. It's going good. It's going good. What are you doing out there now? Weeding. Okay. Those of you who can pull weeds. We're starting to build. We're going to start picking stuff now. Really? Yes. Beans. Green beans and peas. Okay. Ah, wonderful. You're eating all the cucumbers. Oh, Jack. Jesus. <laughs> a laborer is worthy of his hire. Okay. <laughs> but we always need help. There's all kinds of things we can do out there. Do, do you all know when you will start having food here to give away on, on the corner? Don't know yet? Okay. All right. Wonderful. But you need weeding. Thursday, this Thursday, 5 o'clock, you can meet here and go out, 5.30, and go out with them to the garden to do weeding. So if you'd like to help do that, please do that. Okay? Yesterday I turned the sprinklers on early in the morning. Half hour later I was out there covering everything up. Got a half inch and three quarters inch of rain out there. Perfect. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So the garden is going. Um, uh, a little update on Pastor Dave and Jenny's adoption process, which you may know more than I do at this point. He and I, uh, we were sort of like almost thinking we were going to pass in the air yesterday uh, with that. Uh, they did have a bit of a delay getting out because of some landing gear issues or whatever. Uh, so they missed their, their first flight that would uh, take them out of Amsterdam uh, to Amsterdam, but they got a later flight. So they are uh, well on their way. Um, and they will be there for the court appearance and be with their little girl, get to meet her and all of that. They will have to come back home, and then there will be a second uh, trip that will be very soon. Uh, And they're hoping, Pastor Dave said he's hoping and praying that it will be after our outreach so that they can be here for the outreach and then turn around and head back to Ghana. Uh, On that trip, they'll be able to pick their daughter up and bring her home with them. So uh, a lot going on for them right now, and it all just sort of came up, and it was a surprise and having to really work hard to get things done. Uh, So what I'd like to do today after I share with you um, at, at the end, uh, I would like for us to just have a time of prayer. and We'll just put a mic down here and anybody can come up and pray for them. And let's just have a concerted effort of prayer uh, on their behalf. They have to go to a court appearance. They get to meet this little girl for the first time. Uh, they have to travel and travel home and all these kinds of things. And there's a lot of financial uh, demands that are placed upon them in doing this and, and doing it in such short notice uh, obviously affects that area for them. Um, 
And so we want, to, we want to pray for them and really cover them so that everything is going as smooth as possible for this adoption, okay? Uh, so we will do that yet today as well. Um, Susan Booth, you want to make an announcement. Do you need a microphone? <laughs> On? Yep. Okay, I made the same announcement last week, but there's some of you here today that were not here last week. And so I wanted to tell you that the Christian Hospitality Network, a nonprofit organization, helps uh, missionaries and gives them a little R&R time. And this October, um, they are going to provide a luxury hotel room and um, lodging meals and medical care free of charge for Daniel and Carla and for Julia Grenz. And um, so what the Christian Hospitality Network is asking are letters, short letters, that would be um, of appreciation, brief notes uh, to encourage them. And this is a total secret. They will put them in envelopes in the second night of their stay at the hotel. They will put them in a basket in their room, and they will be able to read some stuff from people from back home. Um, These are due by August 1st. It takes a little bit of time to get this together. And um, the easiest way, as I mentioned last week, is probably by email. And I have the email address of the person that you can send it to. And I've got a little, few little pieces of paper here. So after church, please ask me and I will hand them to you or I might force one on you. <laughs> so please, let's be encouraging to Daniel, Carla, and Julia. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, yeah, my wife spoke with uh, Carla last night, and she was sharing some wonderful things. And Daniel is physically doing much better. God has really done a, a tremendous work of uh, healing his uh, intestinal problems and, and so much. And so he's gaining weight. Can you imagine that, Daniel, not being skinny? Uh, but he's eating, and, and it's, it's all very, very good. So that's good news as well. So, uh, so yeah, please encourage them if you can. All right? August 3rd is our next life lunch. Pastor Dave left me a note saying we need a theme for August 3rd, and I read that this morning. I don't have a theme for August 3rd. So if any of you have any ideas and you would, what? Brazil? Do you want to eat Brazilian food? I will give you a list. I'll send it all to you. 24 24 Brazilian dishes that everyone should try. All right, and then you can Google them on the internet. Someone gave it to me while I was in Brazil, uh, so you can figure out. All right, so we will uh, we will uh, eat Brazilian food on uh, August third. All right, and that will be here at the church. So uh, please plan to come, even if you don't make Brazilian food, and if you don't like Brazilian food but you like something else, then bring it. Okay, we will enjoy whatever you bring. Um, I believe that that is all of the announcements. Could we just pray for a minute here uh, this morning? Father, I just want to tell you that I love you. I want you to know that Life Church is yours. We belong to you and we want to be yours. We want to, we want to be possessed by you. We want to be captured by you. So this morning, would you make us pliable? Would you, uh, would you soften us up a bit so that we can be receptive to 
you taking hold of us and taking a hold of our lives. Um, we want you to get glory and honor from what we do and how we live and, and how we relate to one another and others. We want you to get great satisfaction and joy in fulfilling the Great Commission through us as your people. And so we ask you this morning that you just take our hearts today uh, and that you just completely and totally capture us. Saturate us with the Holy Spirit and with power. And uh, bless us, Lord, to know how to be a blessing to others. Bless us with, with opportunities and resources and abilities. Bless us with courage and faith and boldness. Bless us with wisdom and understanding as the Proverbs give it to us. And bless us with uh, strategic abilities to be able to know how to be a very wonderfully missional church um, and uh, to do the work of the kingdom. Help us to tell your story in wonderful and magnificent ways. So thank you, God, for this day. And thank you for the opportunity to be in this neighborhood, in this city, this region, this great nation we call America. Thank you for the opportunity for some of us, many of us, hopefully, uh, to go to other cities and other nations, God, to bring and share your love. Uh, thank you, Father, for this good day. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let you watch a little bit of a video first, and then we'll get started.
Okay, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an overview of uh, sort of what I was experiencing, especially in the first week that uh, I was in Brazil. Uh, this was a conference called the Gateway, uh, Gateway Brazil. Uh, there are other gateways. There is a gateway Hong Kong, and uh, they are all around the earth. There are limited numbers of them, but they are held in very large cities uh, around the world. Um, and, and the idea of gateway comes from a couple of passages of scripture. Um, but the first scripture that I want to read to you this morning is taken from Proverbs. And we are in this book of Proverbs. And uh, I would like to read this and encourage you in this particular scripture. Um, this morning uh, is sort of like the continuation of the book of Proverbs, but I'm going to focus very, very pinpointedly into one particular passage and utilize the time to, to encourage you in being missional, uh, to encourage you in missions, um, and to also uh, give you this report, if you will, of what I've been doing uh, over the last three weeks of time that I haven't been here with you. Um, but the passage I want to take you to and kind of start with this morning is from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Um, and I would like for you to really let this particular scripture to really sink down into your heart. I've talked to you numerous times uh, on the prior Sundays that I've been preaching from Proverbs. Um, and, and it came out also in Pastor Dave's sermons as well, which, by the way, I thought he did a great, great job while I was away uh, with the passages that, uh, that I had asked him to preach on. Um, and so I just appreciate that I can go away and uh, know that you are in great hands here with the leadership of Life Church, And uh, it's, it's very, very helpful to me to be able to do that. And so I appreciate all of you and what you did while I was away. But Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, I think is an amazing, amazing um, passage of Scripture uh, that gives us a part of what being wise is. You know, if I say, well... We're on Proverbs, and Proverbs says get wisdom. It says to be wise. Well, what does that exactly mean? And we've been trying to break that down in different ways and talk a lot about how you live your lifestyle and some of the very practical kinds of things that you do uh, by being wise, that sort of thing. Uh, this one is sort of our missional uh, uh, statement from Proverbs here in terms of, of wisdom and, and being wise. It says in verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, which is absolutely a, a great, you know, sort of theme for us in life church and that we are always talking about being life-giving, all right? So the fruit of the righteous is that uh, being like a tree of life. And then here's the key part, and whoever captures or wins or takes souls is wise, all right? So part of the, the wisdom of God, the heart of God and the wisdom of God and the understanding of God is that we as his people are going to be about the business of capturing souls. We're going to be about the business of uh, reaching lost people, of fulfilling the Great Commission. And this is something that we're always talking about in Life Church. And um, I think that we're going to start to see that happen in more unique ways than we have in the past. And I want to encourage you and I as a church that we start looking at very wonderfully creative ways to win people to Jesus. 
Now, I'm not talking about doing things that are, are not biblical or contrary to Scripture are weird and crazy to the point that they scare people away. I'm talking about doing things in such a way that we look at the earth that we're living in today. We look at the technology that we have. We look at what is available to us out there. We look at what kind of things appeal to uh, non-Christians or, or, or unbelievers And we ask God for some very creative strategies to know how to go after people, to know how to live within our neighborhood and reach people here in our neighborhood and to see what what we need to do within our community to make a difference and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the past, we've always talked about how that we need to be able to do things in creative ways. Um, and, and, And we've believed that. But I believe that we're at a place as a church, where we need to really start to do that, you know, that we really need to look at, okay, God, how do I as an individual and how do we corporately get this sort of creative edge together and we do this? And I think one of the ways that we do that is we become more globally familiar um, and we, we understand what is going on around the world. Here's something that impacted me while I was away. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to show you some pictures and, and, and things like that about my trip here in a few minutes. But I, I want to I sort of lay something underneath that for you. I don't want just this to feel like that you came over to my house on a Saturday night and I pulled out the projector and showed you pictures and we ate some good food and you went home and said, oh, well, the food was good. Um, you know, I, I don't want it to be that sort of kind of experience for you to hear today, but I want, I want to make some sense of this. I want to make some sense of why I went and what happened and what I'm bringing back to you and what I'm advocating uh, as we go forward because Andrew and I are going to be standing before you on occasions and giving you some opportunities to pray and seek God about what you might do to be more missional and even more global. But here's what I, I, I realized as I was teaching and, and doing the workshops and preaching and, and the different things that, that I did while I was away, um, being among other cultures of people, and I wasn't just among Brazilians while I was gone, um, the reality is that I was with people from 22 different nations. We all gathered uh, together. Uh, and so I got to experience a lot of that culture with those individuals. Um, but what I realized is that I, I have a, a, a greater comfort level and I have a better understanding of how I am affected by and relate to other cultures because I did this. And, and it's much easier when you have experienced some of that sort of thing to embrace a call to be missional to people of other ethnicities and cultures and nationalities and such simply because you have a little bit more of a familiarity but you also have a bit more of an understanding all right so it helps you it it brings down some of that level of apprehension that just sort of rises up and this is not an american thing this thing of apprehension of being around other cultures it's not just an american thing it's it's of someone who's from cameroon who comes to america and they experience this different culture here as well they would they would have a higher anxiety level just by virtue of doing that okay Um, but this allows us to be able to feel much more comfortable with people of other nationalities and 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 cultures And, and and i'm saying that to you because of this those people are here 
that are in Sioux Falls. And when, when I use the term those people, I'm not using that in any negative sense. I grew up in a culture that had a lot of animosity towards people of other races and, and, and a lot of racist type people and in an era of, of our nation's history that was not good. It was an ugly time because of all of that. And so people would talk and they would use that terminology, those people. And I want you to understand that I'm, I, we, we've moved beyond that, thank God, as a nation. And certainly as Christians, we are not in that place to use that, that, that terminology in a negative way. But those people just simply means that those people who may be diverse and different in some particular way from you, um, those are people that have come to this country. And they are different from you by virtue of maybe color, ethnicity, culture, uh, a lot of different things. But they are here in Sioux Falls and they are living among you. All right? And so I think it's very, very important for us to be very comfortable with people uh, who think and, and who have lived very differently than, they, than we have up until this point. Because a lot of the people who are coming from other countries to Sioux Falls are coming very much out of their culture and don't even speak the English language yet. They're going to have to learn English as a second language, and they have not experienced American culture, maybe not even experienced someone who is, as we call it, American and speaks the English language in some way. So it's a very new thing for them coming. And I was able to put myself on the other side of the table uh, and eat from a different plate and, uh, and to begin to feel and understand that when you are the only... Uh, English-speaking person in a group of people, uh, and and you don't know any of the languages that are being spoken, um, you suddenly begin to feel that aloneness and that isolation that you feel right in the midst of someone. But yet God tells us that it's very wise of us to, to capture souls, to go and to win souls. Now, another passage of Scripture that came out while I was at Gateway, actually it was given to me before Gateway uh, even happened, and it was to sort of prepare me and have me think about the, what I would be doing, which, by the way, I was a workshop speaker for this conference gateway for a week, um, and the topic of, of my workshop was to be, how, do, uh, how does God impact you as a person who goes on a short-term missions trip? Uh, because the intent was not to focus on people who you go to. Uh, that was understood. That was a given going into the conference, everyone attending the conference. And the conference was geared primarily to all generations, uh, but the, the great thrust of the people who were there were uh, older teens and young adults who were coming into this because they were very much looking to go to other nations to be able to share the gospel with them. They were seeing themselves in some way as short-term or, or, uh, or longer missionaries. Uh, so I, I had this opportunity to speak to to these people about the the changes that God would do in their in their hearts as they would be going, and that was only one part of the the idea or the concept for Gateway. The concept of Gateway is that a lot of people live in major cities, and a lot of people come and go, uh, and. Brazil was utilized and, and chosen for this particular date and time because the World Cup was happening there. So you had uh, literally hundreds of thousands of people in the cities in Brazil, and in particular, Sao Paulo and Rio and Belo. 
um, that were there beyond just the millions of residents who are in these particular uh, communities. And so these are well-established cities, and uh, there are people who are, are there from all over the world. Uh, the trade there is very good. The economy is improving in Brazil. Um, and many, many Brazilians, especially young adult Brazilians, see, we're talking about Christians now, they see the responsibility that they feel God has given to them, and they are accepting it to go into the rest of the world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they are becoming very, very strongly missional-minded, and uh, they are committing to doing this. Uh, this is happening in other parts of the world as well. Young people, young adults in particular, are seeing, uh, feeling, sensing the call and the need to go and do some type of missional work. It's almost like a spiritual Peace Corps. It's like there are a lot of young adults who are getting this sense, this impression that they believe is totally from the Spirit of the Lord to give uh, a, a bit of time and their life uh, in their late teens, early 20s, to simply do mission work and share Jesus Christ in other nations. And they're not looking at going to somewhere where it's easy. They're looking at going to places that are very dark uh, and where there's a tremendous need for Christ uh, there. So we see something that seems to be happening. It's being referred to by missiologists around the world as the fourth wave of missions. And I'd like to talk to you about that another time, of this sort of new wave of missions that is happening uh, and, and, and is emerging now uh, in the earth. And, and very much is happening because uh, we are becoming such a, a, a small global uh, uh, you know, people. We are go- we're able to go all over the world. We're able to have the technology to, to communicate the interesting thing is that a big part of Gateway uh, and the idea behind it is, is relationship and relationship building. And the idea here is that you now could become a missionary who is very relational with people in other parts of the world because you have the ability to communicate with them in such wonderful ways. You can communicate with them through email, uh, Skyping, uh, Facebook, these kinds of things. And that these are wonderful tools that God can use to help you to continue to maintain a relationship with someone uh, over a long period of time. Uh, it is also uh, very much a concept of being uh, intergenerational, uh, seeing the call of God to utilize families and, and, and the value of parents, including their children. You saw the, the small children in the first video that you just saw. Um, very wonderful little children who are open to God. Um, on one of the days uh, uh, at the end, uh, our goal as leaders, we had been... Uh, you know, trained a little bit at the beginning and talked to about how we were working together as a team. And the goal, obviously, at the end would be to ask uh, the, the people who attended Gateway if they would be willing to, to let God speak to them about a particular country. We were in a vast auditorium, very, very big, big auditorium. And they had acquired a, a map, and this map had to be brought in on a semi-truck. Uh, and it was so huge. It, was, it, it would probably take up the entire floor of this room and a little bit more and it was rolled out this white canvas and it was all the it was a map of the world it was all the countries of the world and so the last evening of the event all the chairs had been removed 
and, uh, and so everyone had to stand. So they were standing on the, on the earth, on the world, uh, in their bare feet. And uh, they, were, they were encouraged and challenged to believe that they had the authority to take the nations that God was giving them that authority. But each one was given a, a small stone. Um, and uh, they were asked to place that stone wherever God might ask them to go. And uh, it was amazing because a lot of the, to me, that a lot of the little children didn't get stones, obviously. It was parents and young adults who, who got the stones as they went around. But there were several of the smaller children who asked their parents, that, Get me a, give me a, st- I want a stone, give me a stone. Um, and then they took them, and they obviously did not know where the nations were on the map, but they knew about particular nations. And some of them didn't even know about too many different nations, so they had to ask their parents, is this a nation? And I want to put my stone there. Only God could take a small child and speak a nation of the earth into their heart and give them that nation, and, and they go with full intention that they're going to grow up to go to that nation. Um, a 12-year-old girl put her stone on America. And I hope that she will be able to come here, to be right here with us. One of the things that I'm going to ask of you is that you begin to pray, because I would love for some of you to host someone from a different nation to come here. This isn't just something of us going to other places. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture, and then I'll show you a little bit more video, and we'll talk some more here. Um, But just please try to stay with me this morning for a little bit and hear my heart and what I'm trying to to bring to you this morning. But this passage is taken out of Zechariah chapter 8, and I'd like to just read it for you. It begins at verse 18. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth and the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love truth and peace. Uh, Go back in the Proverbs, you're going to see that the Proverbs often tell you to love truth and to love peace. And much of what the relationship aspects of the book of Proverbs is about is is a peaceful relationship with with others, all right? Then he goes on to say, thus says the Lord of hosts. This is prophetic speaking now that Zechariah is speaking prophetically about a time to come. Because these feasts that are being referenced here are feasts of fasting and of mourning. These are not feasts of joy and gladness that are going on. But Zechariah is saying here that these feasts are going to become this joyfulness and this gladness. Something is going to shift. Something is going to change here. But he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying... Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard 
that God is with you. Now, this is obviously prophetic and talking about uh, sort of this sort of millennial idea out there, way out there. But I think we can see some of this sort of stuff paralleling. We can see it happen the closer and closer we get uh, to the coming of Christ and the evangelization of the, of the world. We see these kinds of things, even to the point that Jerusalem is going to be so significant and that there will be pilgrimages to to uh, the city of Jerusalem. People will be going there from nations and from other cities. But I think we're going to see also this idea of people leaving from one city, going to another city, making pilgrimages, if you will, uh, from one place to another when God is is moving them to do so and and things are happening. Um, It says that 10 people will, will... take hold of the coat of, of, of a Jewish person and say, I'll, I want to go with you. I want to go where your God is, where your God is, is resting. That's where I, I want to go, or your, the presence of your God is. That idea of ten, oftentimes in the scripture, is one of, of much or, or a great amount. So many people will be wanting to do this. And, it, and, and what that says to me is that there will be a time coming um, and, and even now is beginning to happen in other countries where people will be hungry to find God. They will be very, very hungry to find him and they will be looking for him. Uh, and I think this is a very important concept, this idea of going to other places and, uh, and, and joining with other people to entreat God, to pray, to pray together. I think it's a very good thing. I think it's a very appealing thing. It's very appealing to young people in particular. Some of you sitting here who are my age, and, and you looked at some of the things that I did on Facebook, and you, you heard about some of the, the, the strenuous things that, that, that were going on. Uh, some of you are saying, no, that's not me. I'm, I'm beyond that. I, I'm too old for that. Well, I don't think you are. Uh, personally. I don't think that. Um, but I, you have to hear God giving you direction to go wherever and, and, and believe him and, and be strategic about your resources and what you need to be able to do that. I, I understand that. Um, but I think this is very appealing to young people to be able to do this. But also, uh, a pilgrimage is an amazing spiritual thing, uh, if you will, that people do. And they do it in other religions as well. Uh, and, and the Muslims do this. Uh, they have a pilgrimage. They go to their holy city. And this is a big, big, big thing. Um, and so this is something that can be very appealing to people of other religions, this idea of pilgrimage. And so I think it's something to value. I think it's something to look at uh, and, and to see how it, it might be something that you can incorporate into your life and into your witness and your testimony to be able to say, I have gone on a pilgrimage. I have gone on a, a journey, an opportunity to go and to join with others and to pray and to seek God. Um, so I want to encourage you in that, that you look at the possibility of how we are becoming smaller and smaller as, as a global uh, um, people uh, and the opportunities that may be presented to you to do something, something very unique and very wonderful. And, um, and here's the reason. I believe that 
that this is helpful to you. I didn't go do this workshop and just create it because I just thought it would be a good idea because they just gave me a title. I actually presented this workshop when they presented to me all of the, the, the whole of what Gateway was about and all of that. And they said, what can you bring? What can you do for us? And in praying and seeking the Lord, this is what I gave them. I said, I would like to talk about what happens to the person who goes on the missions trip. I don't want to talk about the nations and, and, and going to the nations and all that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will be able to do that. Uh, but I want to talk about what happens in the heart of the person who goes. And part of the reason that that was on my heart is very much because we've been going through this whole planning of this discipleship process for Life Church, and, and part of that, or a component of that is missions and and being missionally minded and going on a short-term missions trip are supporting someone going on a short-term missions trip are supporting the place where we would go on a short-term missions trip so i believe that this is a very important part of your process as a disciple is to go and do something like this my intent was that that andrew and i would go together and we would sort of develop this for you as life church and we would do this together Okay. Um, Andrew was not able to go because his visa did not uh, come in time. Uh, the interesting thing is that he was one of a, num- a number of people. Um, I actually, by default, was able, was invited, allowed, whatever, to, to preach the, the, uh, the keynote message for the conference on Sunday uh, morning. And, but the reason that I got to do that is because the person who uh, sort of got the vision for Gateway and, and doing these conferences in these major cities and seeing them identifying these major cities as gateways where people could gather and pray and seek God and send people out and evangelize uh, great events, um, he lives in Norway. And uh, his visa was denied. They wouldn't let him come because they wouldn't give him a visa. So he didn't, like Andrew, he, he at the last minute got the word that he did not get a visa and uh, so had to deal with that you know, disappointment as well. Um, but but th- there's a, a lot that is going on here. And, and I went... With, with this idea that I, I want to understand this whole thing better, but also I want to understand how I can help my congregation to, to get involved and to utilize this as part of their discipleship process. So it's twofold. It's the Great Commission. It's being missional. It's going. That, I'm all for that. I went. I want you to go. I want you to do these kinds of things. Uh, but it's also because I believe this will have great impact in you personally in changing you to be more like Jesus, uh, to allow you to be more uh, globally informed, uh, to be able to come back here and to reach into the diverse population of our neighborhood and touch people's lives in a very powerful way. So I see these things as very, very important for us. So I really, really want you to seek the Lord, because some of you, we, Andrew's going to be announcing some things as we go forward here in a little bit, um, and uh, there are some of you that will be asked to go uh, next year and be a part of a, a Gateway event, uh, but not just to be a part of, of Gateway, because, see, we left Gateway after a week of intensive training and being challenged uh, in the Word and praying and seeking God to uh, a, a flavela, a slum, uh, in the heart of Rio de Janeiro um, and, and not far from the arena where the World Cup final would be, be uh, played. 
um, and spend time there. And I'll talk a little bit more about that and show you some pictures in a moment. Um, but, but doing hands-on kinds of outreach uh, into to, uh, very impoverished areas. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's an application time as well. Next year, some of you will be asked to go into the Amazon to actually get on a boat, excuse me, and go uh, down the Amazon River and go into some tribal areas and to share the gospel of Christ. It's not for everybody. I understand that. It, it, this, will be a, this will be a very challenging and very strenuous uh, trip. But there are some of you who are sitting here today, and a year from now, you need to be on that boat. You need to be doing this uh, event, all right? Uh, there are some of you, uh, uh, I hope a good-sized team of you, who will be preparing for many months coming up to 2016. And uh, you will have an opportunity to go back to, or to go to Brazil or maybe back to Brazil at that point. You may have already gone once by then. Uh, but go back to Brazil and, and be there for the 2016 Olympics, the Summer Olympics, and to work uh, on, on the streets evangelizing around the Olympic uh, city there, okay? Uh, so that is, the, that is something we definitely want to happen. We want to see that, and that's a guarantee uh, that you could go to the Olympics. Uh, it's also a guarantee that you can go to Gateway. It's not a guarantee that you can go on the Amazon. That is a different story, and it requires a, a, a little bit more selectivity, uh, and you need to understand what is going to be required of you to be able to do something like that. But what I'm saying to you is that we are already now putting into place some opportunities that are significant for you. Uh, and we're doing it in such a way that we will be able to prepare you so that you can be very effective in going and doing some type of outreach. And there will be some opportunities for some of you to go and do this as a family, to take your children with you uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a family and do it all together, all right? Um, and so we want to try to take down as many barriers or as many blocks to you so that you can see better, okay? So that is, that is what... I was trying to do in Brazil and, uh, and hopefully did do to, to some degree. Let me show you another uh, video for just a moment here, and then we'll go a little further with it, okay?
So what you just saw in that particular um, little video uh, were people uh, sort of showcasing their own culture. And a lot of the, the cultures, uh, they celebrate through dance. Um, they, cele they celebrate and enjoy drama and pantomime and puppetry and all these kinds of things. And these are key elements uh, that they utilize to go in and to share uh, with other people. I, I, I was with people from um, Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia. Um, there were people from the U.S., a few. Holland, Germany, Mexico, Canada, Uruguay. Um, England, New Zealand, Singapore, Italy, uh, obviously Brazil, Chile, Australia, Madagascar, Puerto Rico, Argentina, uh, Taiwan, Israel, and Palestine. It, it was quite amazingly wonderful to see all of these people with a common intent, their co the, the core of their heart was to find ways to join together globally and to share the love of Jesus Christ. This is all they were all about. Uh, and, and so I, uh, I felt very honored to be there and at the same time overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed uh, with the idea of being able to, to be involved and, and to help uh, these, these people who were, were looking for strategies and understanding and guidance. But in the middle of all of, of my being there, uh, I, and I was, I was feeling a great deal of anxiety. It's really strange because I don't normally feel a lot of anxiety, but I was feeling anxiety to the point that I thought I was going to have to ask someone to help me find a doctor. Uh, that's, that, and I realized that, that I was really allowing the enemy to just get me out of sorts, you know, and cause me to have fear, and doubt, and unbelief. Um, and I could just feel my heart racing. And it was like, God, what in the world? Why am I here? Why am I even doing this? And, and, and the Brazilians have a wonderful uh, uh, sort of expression. And it's, it's very much like what we would say. We would just say, calm down. But they're very expressive people. And so I heard this message, uh, this voice behind me. And, and I turned as I started to hear this person, and they were saying, calm. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I think that's the word of the Lord for me. <laughs> you know, just to, just to be calm and to allow God to speak to me. And I don't want this morning, even in my sharing, my experience with you, uh, as I said, my my. my main purpose in sharing with you this morning is to excite you and to ignite you and to get you to the place where you are following our discipleship process at a deeper level um, and, and in a, a real application by going somewhere and being a part of some type of, of short-term mission trip or supporting others who are doing that and that we're all praying about that and that we're being even more intentional about praying globally, okay? Because I think it is wise for us to capture souls. I think that's absolutely imperative that we do so. And so I want you to get very excited about this. And then I'll leave it alone for a little while and let it stew in you. And then Andrew will come back and start to give you some of the opportunities and we're going to have some training for you as, as well, okay? Um, but... 
just being able to be with all of these people did, did an amazing thing in my heart as your pastor. And it, it challenged me to love people more who are different than myself. And as I sat with people and felt the uncomfort, uncomfortableness of doing that, it really convicted me. It really challenged me. I thought that I was pretty good at it, you know, uh, being comfortable around others and being around people that are different than I am and, and, and being able to be adaptable and, and being flexible and those kinds of things. I, I was so confronted with the fact that I am so American uh, and so Western in my ways. And here's what I want you to understand, and, and we'll talk about this another time, but the, the world is starting to be evangelized in places and ways that we don't understand and know about. And you're hearing a lot of things on the news about what is happening and how the, the, uh, the radical Islamists are moving and they're taking over all of these countries and they're doing these crazy things. And what you're not hearing, what CNN is not telling you is how many house churches are growing up in Iran and how many people are being evangelized in Iraq and how much is actually happening good in Palestine and places like that. And, and these are things you need to hear. All right, but we're only going to hear them as we network with one another and as we start to encourage one another. And I suddenly, when I got over this, this thing that I believe was the enemy trying to, trying to put, slam a door in front of me and say, no, I can't do this and this doesn't make sense and this is uncomfortable and I'm not going to be a part of this, when I calmed down. I began to see and understand the power of us as God's people globally connecting with one another so that we could do, be encouraging uh, and helpful to one another. And I want you to know that God is moving around the world and America is falling way short here in this thing. And we are not seeing people in America as open to the gospel as we are seeing um, in some of the persecuted lands. And where there is great persecution, there is a great move of God happening across the earth. And I want to encourage you that you begin not only to recognize that, but to be encouraged by that and to say, okay, then I need to get on board. I need to help in some way. I need to be a part of this great move of God that is happening around the world. So I want to really, really encourage you in that today, all right? And, um, and then Andrew will come back and give you the opportunities we will train you and equip you. You will go. It will help you. It will change you. You will be more like Jesus. You'll be fulfilling the Great Commission. You'll come back home, and you will be uh, able, more equipped, I believe, uh, and ready and excited and passionate to win lost people right here in your own neighborhood, okay? Uh, let me show you a few pictures and talk for a few minutes, and then I want us to pray, okay? Um, and if you have questions for me, please feel free to ask. I, I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to you about this, and, uh, and, and I, wanna, I want this to be part of our DNA. I want this to be part of the atmosphere of Life Church, that we're looking at these opportunities uh, to go places and, and to do things for God. Uh, can you start that little slideshow of mine, Cody, and give me the first uh, slide on there? Um, <laughs> So I want to let you know, it's not going to be fun. This is your accommodations if you go on an outreach in Brazil, all right? It's a, a mattress. I was actually in a luxurious room. I had two mattresses. And the reason I had two mattresses is because Andrew didn't go. And they, 
That's the only reason I had two mattresses. I am so indebted to Andrew, all right? Unbelievably indebted to Andrew uh, because I had his mattress as well. So I put his on top of mine, and, and so that was my, my bed in a room in, that is a Japanese church uh, in the middle of Rio de Janeiro. And uh, they are all uh, Japanese people who have come to Brazil to live, or either they are Jap- from Japanese families and born in Brazil. And so they, uh, they speak Portuguese, uh, and then the older generation speaks Japanese, so they have translation in the church for that. And they housed us. They have nothing to do with Gateway. They heard about Gateway and said, how do we help you? And we, uh, Emerson said to, to them, we, we need some places for people to stay. Do you have any ideas of any cheap accommodations for us? And they said, we have the cheapest and best accommodations you can possibly have. We will house you in our church. This church is like five stories tall in a, in a neighborhood uh, in, in uh, the heart of the city. And uh, they said, we'll put you in the classrooms up on the third and fourth levels. And, uh, and we will feed you. So all these lovely Japanese ladies cooked food every night and fed us. They still don't know what Gateway is. They have no idea. They just said, we like the idea that you're going to go to the nations and share Jesus. So we will help you do that. And so they, they made the accommodation. So that was my, my accommodations while, uh, for the first two weeks that I was in Brazil. That's the kind of accommodations I had. Okay, next slide. Um, Obviously, the, uh, one of the key events going on was the World Cup. This is in front of the stadium in Rio de Janeiro. After we did Gateway, we drove immediately to Rio to be there for the major games in Rio. They were in other cities as well. Uh, and this is outside of the stadium. Next uh, slide, please. Um, this is just prior to the final. You will see to my right, as I'm looking at you from, from in the photograph, over to my right, all of those people on that side are actually part of an evangelistic team that was at Gateway, and we all went together. Uh, there were quite a few of us, and they're, they're getting prepared. This is right outside of the arena. Um, the this, this, this stadium seating is on the other side of the banners that you see hanging front, down from the stadium there. And that stadium is several stories tall, so those banners are quite, quite large. Okay, next uh, one. Uh, we went and we marched around the stadium, and every so often when there was an area large enough, um, now I didn't do this, but they, other people, just broke out and danced, uh, singing songs and dancing. And, this, and, and the amazing thing is that, that it gathered quite a large group of people each time that we would do that. So they're hearing uh, songs. We would, they would sing uh, part of the song in English. They would sing part of the song in Portuguese. They would sing part of the song in Spanish. Um, and so you had Argentinians and uh, people from uh, Holland, from Germany, uh, from the U.S., who would gather and take pictures. And many of them would even ask questions. What are you, why, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? We're just sharing Jesus. That's all we're doing. We're just here to share Jesus. And uh, next slide, please. Uh, so as we went all around, um, is it dangerous? Yes, it's a dangerous place, but there were wonderful people everywhere who took care of us. And this is a lovely military policeman. I shouldn't say lovely, isn't it? He was lovely to me because he was right by me. Much, uh, once it got dark, he was, he was right near me. Um, and I just asked him, could I, could I take a picture with him? Uh, and he was very gracious, very excited. He says, no one ever asked me to take pictures with them. 
uh, he thought it was a little bit strange and crazy. And I said, I'm just so thrilled that you're here and that all of you are helping to, to maintain peace and, and to keep it very civil here. And no one had ever thanked him for anything he had done. No one had ever offered him any words of encouragement. And uh, this is what one of the other people said. They said, you, you people come uh, and, and you, you, you do things differently. And everyone here tells us all the bad things we do. And you come and you tell us all the good things we do. And we don't even think about the good things we do because we're always hearing about the bad things we do. And so he had never had anyone who wanted to just have a picture taken with him or anyone who ever thanked him that he risked his life uh, to keep it civil and to keep it peaceful there in the city of Rio de Janeiro. Eight people, eight point something people are murdered every day in this city, every single day uh, for just... Just brutal murders happen. Uh, these are not accidents or whatever. Okay, next slide. Um, so we left the stadium after we had walked around the stadium. Now, here, here's the thing. We, we prayed around the stadium, and we prayed for peace during the game, uh, during the other games that would happen as well. But the game that night happened to be Brazil playing someone, and we were praying for, for peace around the stadium. Um, but we were also, after we had prayed for the peace around the stadium, and had marched around it. Then we gathered at the front there where you saw my picture, and we prayed for God to close the, uh, the uh, World Cup in a very peaceful way, um, which I think he did. By the way, the, game, the final game was, was well done, and both teams played well, uh, and they were all the, the, the uh, they call them patrons, or the, or the spectators were very civil to one another. Okay, so, so we felt like God really did hear our prayer and answer our prayer. But then we prayed as, as a group from 22 nations, we prayed for God to open the door for the Olympics in 2016 and to already begin to work and to prepare people's hearts to call them to come to, uh, to Brazil to bring the gospel, not to watch the Olympics, which is fine to do, but to bring the gospel to all these people who would be there. And, uh, and so we, we got a call, and they said, uh, now we're going we're gonna to take you over to a church, and, uh, and you get to meet some more people over there. And we did not know these people, but these people came to pray in Brazil the same week, the week of the World Cup. We did not know them. They came to pray. They are all from Madagascar. Uh, and so we got to meet them. The pastor of this church, I'm up in the balcony taking this picture with my phone, um, and the, the pastor of the church, I'm going to have to stop because we're going to run out of time here. I'm going to have to go through these really quick. But the pastor is a Baptist pastor, and he's a very traditional Baptist pastor in, uh, in the city um, of, of Rio. And he got up, at, they danced. Can you do the next slide, please? Um, this is the people from our team dancing in, in his church as well and, and doing some of, some of their, their dancing. Bring, give me the next one as well. Um, this is a book that we were handing out to everyone during the Olympics. It's all about the Olympics, and we took a bunch of them there for people to, to hand out or whatever. This is a little cookie. It has a scripture verse on it, and we handed those out, so we took a lot of those to the church as well. So we were trying to get the church really equipped, and I stopped right there with the cookie. Okay, so we are in this church, and this pastor stands up, and he's, he, he does this. He's, he's just standing there, and he's just shaking his head. And he's an older man like me, but he has a lot grayer hair than I do. Uh, but he's just standing there in his church, and he looks at everyone, and there's these people from all these different nations, and we had just prayed for people 
from uh, several places where there were things that were going on. Um, and, and he says, I think I might lose my job. <laughs> he said that in Port. He goes, I'm Baptist. He goes, I'm traditional. So what you, what you would have heard him say is, I'm traditional. You know, and he kept saying, I'm traditional. And what he was trying to say was, we've never done this. We, we've never experienced this kind of thing. And then he was, before it was all over with, to, to cut this story short, he was dancing with the people from Madagascar, and he was having a great time, and he was loving it. And he said at the end, he says, I don't care anymore. <laughs> But, but God was working in his heart just to enjoy the diversity of worship. And he was seeing different people worship in different ways. After we left there, we began the outreach that took place in Rio. And it was in a place called Bordel. And Bordel is a, is a flavela, which is a slum. If you'll show the next picture, I'll try to run through these very quickly. This is on the hillside of Rio. People live in all of these sort of squalor houses here. And they're just... Uh, concrete blocks are, are uh, terracotta blocks that are just built on top of each other and they go from, from, from down at the bottom all the way up and they're built up and what you see on, on the top level of housing where the posts are, that is the, the roadway which is very, very narrow there that, that winds its way in and out and at places just become steps uh, and people use motorcycles and they ride up and down these, these areas. Next one, please. Um, and in the middle of this, built up on the side of this mountain, uh, you saw the massive stadium that cost millions and millions of dollars to build uh, in the heart of the city and outside on the edge. This is a dirt court uh, for, for playing soccer, or as they say, football. And the people of the slum used this to play. And this is why there's such uh, disparity in, in the city. There are certain things where people, the really wealthy people live, and it's very affluent. And then there's, there's these type of areas. And you can see the, the steps that are going down. They're just concrete steps built down to another area where they can just walk down. And then the street becomes muddy and dirty. And where you see what looks like muddy and, and kind of water on that dirt street, that is actually sewage that is running down from the upper levels and has no other place to run but either down the street or, or the steps or whatever along the way. All right, next slide, please. <clears throat> this is across the street. The, the building you see in the very forefront is with the hole in the, in the, in the, in the roof area and then it's falling in the, in, the, in the foreground there and you see a lot of trash and stuff in there. That is, is the, the flavella, the slum. Uh, on the other side is across the street. When you get down to the bottom, there is a, a, a four-way street there, uh, four lanes. And then on the other side, that is the affluent part of the city. So that's how close they are together. They're right there together. Okay, next slide. Um, you can see in this one, you see the, the roadway and then the steps that go down to the next level and then you see a lot of the trash heap that is down there. And in the foreground, you see a lot of trash there. We're standing up on a ledge in one of the houses uh, there at, at near the top and you can see down. Here's what we did. We went into this, this slum and there are people dying there of disease. They're dying from diseases from mice. There's a mice infestation within the slum. So we went in. And we, what we did is we served them. We served the people there. Um, and we picked up their trash. We went d through the streets and, and in the little places there, and we pulled out trash and, and the things that we lifted out of there. Uh, 
not, not to offend anyone, but we, we, picked, we cleaned up everything from human feces to broken toys, uh, trying to help them. These are people who are caught in poverty, extreme poverty. Uh, there's, this is like uh, systemic poverty. These, these people, don't, some of them don't even understand how to help themselves, and a lot of them are born into drug addiction because their parents were addicted to drugs. They don't understand what's going on with them. They don't know how to be clean or to clean themselves. Uh, the base, the, the, the YWAM base there that we worked with, they've been there for 20 years. When they first went there, people carried guns around just like cowboys in the Old West did, and they fought back and forth for territory, for drugs and things like that. Now no one carries guns in this particular slum anymore, and we walked the streets our, ourselves, and we, we cleaned up for them, and we gave them out pamphlets, and the pamphlets that we gave them were uh, written in in a kind of a cartoon form, um, but it was so that they would read it. And the story in this pamphlet is one of how you, you take care of your trash and how you put recyclables in the bins, and the city is providing the bins, and the city printed these up, and we were taking them. And as we are cleaning up the, the garbage and putting it in big uh, containers and, and hauling it out, uh, some of our team is going door to door and giving these to people and sitting down with kids on the, on the street there and talking to them about throwing their trash away so that they can be cleaner and disease-free. So it's a way of trying to help these people and educate them and get them to the place where that they can live a better quality of life. And we worked with the government and with the YWAM base, and they said, as long as you're doing this, feel free to share the gospel with anyone you want to. You can, you can just share the gospel with everybody. So anyone who would open a door. I couldn't take a pic pictures of a lot of that because a lot of those people are into drugs and, and things and they get very upset if you try to take pictures of them. So you won't see a lot of the people. I'm giving you pictures that don't show you a lot of, of faces. Okay, can we do the next one and give me just a couple more minutes? We were on the back side of the, the soccer field and what YWAM did is they took all these young adults and who were in, the, in this, this particular slum, and they gave them the opportunity to play ball together, and they created a league, and they created uniforms for them. Uh, but they had to go to Bible studies and go to enrichment classes to help them to improve. And if they did that, then they could play on one of the soccer teams. Uh, and so we were, we were going there to help put on a soccer championship, a tournament, just like the World Cup, so to speak, with them. And so we were all there, and that is our team, all across the backside there, and uh, our team is making balloons. You saw the clowns in the video that I showed you. Some of the workshops were teaching people how to do clown ministry, uh, to do puppetry, to do balloons, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, the dance uh, workshops, were all those dances you were seeing, those were people learning how to dance at the workshops, all with the intent of us doing this outreach here in this slum. So we all went. And they were very well prepared to be able to do this. So as soon as the little kids, uh, and you do see a couple of them there, uh, as soon as the little kids showed up, they all pulled out the balloons and started making balloon animals and things for them. Uh, and it was very, very uh, wonderful time. Next slide, please. <clears throat> this is probably the nicest house in, in the slum area, and uh, the, the white building at the bottom is like a little store, and so they actually have a business there, and that's right across from uh, the, the football, or the soccer field, uh, and so they were, um, oh, they opened up for business when we got there and started the, uh, the uh, tournament. Uh, they were selling beer and um, 
marijuana. Uh, so they are, you, the, the, the smells came very, very quickly uh, across the, the field. All right, next one. Uh, these are some of the guys that are in a circle there, and they're getting ready to play. The field is all wet and muddy because it's the rainy season. It, it's winter time. Next one, please. I'm going to try to hurry through these. You can see there, these are some of our team walking on the streets inside of the, the slum. Uh, and you can see how narrow it is, and they're just like steps there. So it's very difficult to police this. The police cannot go up in there very easily and deal with problems because people who have guns, who are snipers, can, can uh, kill them very, very easily. Next slide. Uh, more of our team, and at the halftime of the games, they got on the field and danced and sang their songs, and we passed out tracks and did ministry at that particular time. Next slide. Um, again, some of our team uh, on the back side watching. Next slide. This young lady that you see in the front right here, she is from Israel. Uh, and she is a delightful, delightful young lady. Give me the next slide. This young lady is from Palestine. All right. Give me the next slide. Israel, Palestine, and three crazy amigos in the, in the midst of them. But... These two young ladies, they both decided to do a DTS. They both became Christians. They decided to do a DTS, and they both prayed and asked God what they should do and where they should go, and God led both of them to, to this outreach. As soon as they both stepped off the plane together, they became unbelievably close friends. They knew each other, and they had talked with each other, but they, God just bonded them. And God told them, they would be an example. They had no idea what that meant. And shortly after they started the DTS, all of the events started to happen between Israel and Palestine that you're hearing about right now. And so every day there is news in Brazil about how that Israel is about to invade the Gaza Strip and all these things are going on and how much turmoil is there. And these two young ladies are living the life of love for each other. Uh, and growing in their relationship with each other. And they are being an example uh, in the midst of all of that. And they are very, very wonderful, wonderful girls. Okay, uh, next slide. This shows you uh, a lot of how you see the slum on the right side, the wealthier part of the city on the left side, and you see how far the slum goes. This is, is just thousands and thousands and thousands of people here. So this is very epidemic uh, what is going on there. Okay, next slide. Uh, this is typical. Uh, this lady allowed me to take her picture. Uh, she is a typical woman in the slum. And this little, one little room where this window is open, that is her house. Everything is right there in that little room. And she is about midway. So she gets all the garbage from above her, and then her garbage goes with everybody else's garbage down to the people below her. All right? That is her kitchen right there. That little table with those things on it is, just, is her kitchen area. And then her living room is right behind that. And, and they sleep on the sofa in, in the living room there. Okay, next picture. Uh, this is the entrance to the school. There's a school there. Uh, they have about 30 children. They have a waiting list of over 100 children. Uh, the city uh, of Rio says that this is one of the best schools in the city, even though it's in the slum, because the, the base people are teaching the children, and uh, they are giving them uh, biblical principles as well to live out. And uh, so they're, they're doing very, very well. We're going to, uh, okay, what, give me just a, go through really quick here. Let's look at the next one. 
uh, this is just how, the, 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 how lush it is around in the slum, but this is where the drug lords will hide. And, and so this is why you see a lot of crime and stuff. It's so easy for them to, to, to be down in this stuff. And to, they, they fly kites so that they can tell people they have drugs to sell. Uh, so you'll have a little boy flying a kite on this corner, and you'll have a drug dealer flying a kite on this corner. Uh, so it can, it can be quite, quite dangerous, okay? Uh, again, next. This, these are the people who will be leading. Uh, this, this couple is the host couple. These are the couple. This is the couple that I stayed with. They know many of the people in this church who have gone Jack and, and PJ and others in this church who have gone over before. Uh, these are other people on the team. The gentleman in the, in the yellow is the leader of the base. He has lived there for over 20 years and raised his children inside of this slum to be able to minister to them uh, and care about them. Um, and the lady in the front is, is my interpreter. Uh, next one, uh, this is inside of the school as well. Uh, this is their playground area. They have to build a wall up, and when they first started, the bullets would fly over the top, and the kids would have to lay down while the firing was going on as they were trying to, to rid it of the drug lords. Okay, A little bit more. Um, this is another part of a, a play area that's protected on the inside. Next one, um, this is looking out over the city of Rio uh, from the very top of the, uh, the slum area. Next one, and that is the, the really wealthy, wealthy part of the city. And you can see the slums right down in the forefront there. Okay, uh, one or two more maybe. I think there is. Yeah, just, 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 you can just go through these. This is the slums. Uh, we ate. They, this is where they gather their water for the school. Uh, and uh, it's very, very lush all around there. There's a lot of, and this is just transportation there as well. This is, you see that. That's very common. This is on the base where I finished off my outreach. Those are avocado trees. So you see bananas, avocados, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I ate really good. This is where I lived the last three or four days. Uh, it was a great place, and I enjoyed that. This is an, an old church right, right by there that you can see from, from in Patangi. It's over 300 years old. These are students I, I visited with and, and t- talked to and encouraged in the school there. Uh, and they all met outside for chapel with their chairs. They prayed for me. These kids prayed for me. Uh, and then my host family took me out after that. Um, we drove through, through the mountains, and we found a, a, a lovely place to eat. And that is, that is a hamburger in Brazil. Uh, so I did, I did eat very well. I didn't drink any Starbucks coffee until the very last day. And in San Paulo, in the airport, I turned a corner, and there was Starbucks. And I had a hard time getting them to understand what my drink was, but they did it, and they did it with cane sugar, uh, which is grown there. And it was absolutely marvelous. But she, she asked me for my name, and I tried to explain it to her, and she just handed me the cup and the pen. And so I actually wrote Bill on the cup for her because she just couldn't get Bill. No Brazilians are named that. Um, but I had my Starbucks, and I flew home. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for taking the time today to listen to me and let me tell you about this. I'm very serious. I would love as many of you as possible to pray and seek God 
about going on some type of short-term mission trip. I think it will change your life. I don't think any of you are too old to do that. I think every one of you are capable of doing something like that. If you can't, you can at least send people, pray about that. Also, pray about hosting a family for a couple of weeks or up to three months here. Uh, in Sioux Falls, of us bringing them over and letting them be a part of Life Church and, and sharing with them here. When I let, got on the plane, two of the guys came to me and they said, can we talk to you? And they flagged the interpreter to come over and they said, thank you, because we want you to know something. Most of the pastors here, they don't do what you do. And I said, explain to me what you mean. And he said, you slept on the floor with us and you went into the slum with us. And you picked up the trash with us. And the pastors here don't do that. They think they're special. And we, we don't understand this. But you showed us how to lead and serve. And we need that. And we need people to come and help us to be able to understand that and to get it right. It was in that moment that I understood why I went. And I hope that you can go and you can do the same kind of thing, that you can serve in a very gracious and wonderful way. Let's pray. Father, I would ask you that right now that you would speak to our hearts, that you would even now begin to talk to us about the wisdom of the Proverbs and the reality that uh, it is very wise to capture souls and that we would not let go of this reality, both here in our neighborhood and around the world, that you would use us for your glory and for your honor. And I pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts about where we can go and what we can do and that you would order our steps and that you would do this in a very wonderful and exciting way, that this would become a huge adventure for Life Church and that we would go into other places and among other nations, but also that we would receive those nations unto us to help them, to bless them, to encourage them, and to disciple them and send them back, and that we would also just allow you to open our eyes to the vastness of our own neighborhood and being willing to, to just get on board with what you would want to do here, God. We pray that you would bless Life Church in powerful, powerful ways. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you.